Just before we get started with today's podcast, I want to tell you about something that's happening on Thursday evening. I am opening the doors to the members club for those of you who want to test it out. So I'm giving you a sneak peek behind the curtain. You can come and join us for one night of a deal analysis masterclass on Thursday the 15th of September between 8pm and 9.30pm. This is a special deal analysis masterclass because when we start off, we're going to be looking at how to analyse tenants that are already in situ when you buy a property to make sure that they are somewhat recession proof. That's really important right now and how to do that. And then number two, we're going to be going through some statutory compliance. I know it sounds like a bit of a yawn, but you do not want to be buying properties that aren't compliant because the minute you purchase them is your responsibility. So you need to know this information whilst you're looking at buying property. And then of course, we're going to be analysing some real live deals. So if you want to come and join us for that, click the link below and you can come and see everything that's going on. All you need to do, type your name and your email address and we'll send you through all the details. Hi everybody and welcome to the Honest Property Investment podcast with me, Natasha Collins. I'm the host of this podcast. I'm also the CEO and founder of NC Real Estate, which is my firm of surveyors. We specialise in helping landlords and property investors build commercial and mixed use property portfolios that completely align with their goals. If you want to find out more about that, head on over to ncrealestate.co.uk, where you can find out everything about me and my firm. Happy middle of September. Wow, what a week. What a week. Sad news about the Queen, hey? Um, Seemed to all happen really quickly and a very pivotal moment for energy prices, right? I mean, it's sad. It is sad. It feels like it's the end of a massive era in the UK especially because although you may love the Queen, you may hate the Queen. For me, she was a straightforward person in that her brand was solid all the time. Her belief system, that she was completely apolitical, the fact that she would never explain, never complain or whatever way around you were putting that, fine. She was always straight to the point. She was never someone else than what she is. So from that point of view, the trust was there. That constant was there. And I have a lot of time and respect for that. If you are the person who you are putting yourself out there to be and you do what you say you're going to do, okay, well, no one really can fault you for that. I mean, the way she held, she handled Diana, mm, questionable. The way she deals with Andrew or she dealt with Andrew, questionable, but her herself, she has never ever done anything other than what she says she's going to do. So that is a sad ending of an era because I don't believe that Charles is this on the straight and narrow. <laughs> um, 
I mean, from what I've read, and it's all speculation because no one will investigate into it, it seems that um, he is more than happy to take money from wherever he can. I guess the same with the Conservative government. Um, and here we are under Liz Truss's leadership. Interesting times. I don't really know much about Liz Truss. Um, I know that she was a staunch Boris Johnson supporter, whatever that may mean. Um, I know that she would like to give lip service to the fact that, you know, she wants to pull the UK out of this impending recession that we are going into. Mm, let's see, we need a general election quicker than we ever needed a general election before. Um, come on, you know, let's go out and vote. Let's actually see if Liz Truss herself has the mandate from the British or the English population. Um, that's number one. Um, number two, her energy cap thing that's going to come at taxpayer expense of 130 billion or whatever they're saying. Right. No thanks. There actually needs to be something put in place that means that as taxpayers we aren't still paying for the energy just through a different way. There can be caps on profits. Um, they don't have to charge VAT if they don't want to. They could put a cap on a standing charge. How novel because I don't know that any other countries have a standing charge. Certainly none of my properties in America have any standing charges on their meters. So where that comes from, I don't know. The problem is, is that there are monopolies running energy companies in the UK. And if you start to mess them about, what are they going to say? All right, no problem, we'll go elsewhere. Then what is Liz going to be doing? Building her own energy companies? I don't know. I don't know that there is a one size all solution but what I do know is it's going to have to come pretty damn quick and inflation will keep spiraling inflation will keep spiraling and we are going to see these Bank of England base rates rising we have been told this you know expect it to go up to four to six percent in the next six months and it could rise from there what have I done about that well I'm fixing in all of my mortgages do I think that's a good idea I don't know, I have no crystal ball, I say that all of the time, but for me and my portfolio, if I've got mortgages that are coming up, I'm fixing them in. Just so that I have a way of consistently forecasting what is going to be happening within my portfolio. Because I've got anomalies in terms of costs, that still arise, for example, um, litigation against uh, a freeholder, which I don't really want to be doing, it's going to be expensive, but at the same time, I again, as I said the other week, I can't have a hole in my roof, you know, whatever it takes to keep those tenants happy at the end of the day, because otherwise I'm going to lose tenants, and then that's my income gone. So that's something that I can't necessarily control. I can think, okay, well, the ceiling is here. You know, I have an idea for what I want to get out of negotiation, I will speak to you about it properly when it's all over because if anybody on the other side listens to this podcast and I start giving away my hand, that's my negotiation tactics gone, right? Um, but I have some things that I want to get out of the end of that. 
Um, so that's a cost that I don't quite know how much it's going to be. Um, I want to make sure that I have more money in my pot so that if anything goes wrong, tenants leave, what have you, I can afford to prop up mortgages. The other thing that I'm getting really hardly hard hard ah the other thing I'm getting really impacted by is this exchange rate for any of you that listen and you're forex traders I don't know how <laughs> um my UK money is becoming less and less valuable in the US we're almost at one to one Ugh. that means that in the last month or so I've lost 20% of the value of my money that comes into the US and with card charges going up. So the way that I used to do it was I have a British Amex and because I love collecting air miles, because every time I fly backwards and forwards from the UK, I'm one of these people who loves to treat myself to upgrades on the plane. Um, I was getting one point for everything, that I, for every dollar that I spent in the US, but that's, stopped I think or it's not as good as it used to be and then the charges for overseas spending are more expensive so we switched to using our American Amex and so I have to transfer my salary to the US or into our US bank account that obviously costs money and the exchange rate is not good right now so that means I've lost like 20% of spending money in the US so that's not great. <laughs> it's not brilliant, is it? And it's not as if I can then go and up my um, up my income in the UK. I mean, I guess I could, but I'm I run a business and I like to invest a lot back into the business, so it wouldn't really help me so much to be earning much more right now. I don't know, something I need to mull over myself. But anyway, that's the logistics of what's happening. And of course, because in the UK we buy and sell um, oil or gas in dollars, that's also why things are becoming more expensive because of that exchange rate. So there's so much that goes into it. But yeah, how I'm protecting myself, fixing in on my mortgages, putting a little bit of extra in my savings pot because anything could go wrong. Um, and also I've got some strange expenditure. Am I not, am I stopping investing? No, I'm not. I have a remortgage going on at the moment. I'm trying to pull a bit of money out of a property. I haven't seen the valuation yet, so I don't know if I'll be able to pull anything out. And the reason I say I don't know anymore, it's because I think valua valuations are going to be a bit hit or miss going forward. So again, whatever that valuation comes back with, I'm just going to be like, okay, it is what it is. Um, so I'm just trying to do that right now. And if I get a chunk of capital, then I will continue investing. I think during recessions, it is a good time to invest. I didn't make the most out of it the last recession, um, but that was because I was a bit more naive to it. I was getting swept up in all the hype, even though I was in the letting industry at the time. Um, I could see the damage being done and I was a bit scared. I did buy my property in Notting Hill just after the recession in 2011. 
and that was a great purchase like really really good purchase so you know I know that in recessionary times that's when you can make the best deals because we are going to come out of it people are going to feel much more confident in the market again and that's when people start spending um so you're gonna have to buy well again that's a given but i wouldn't i'm not stopping investing because of the situation it just changes and i'm sure there's going to be far more deals to be had i'm already seeing it I'm recording this on a Saturday and I looked through um, the deals that come through and I get deals through every day. I've seen so many come through in London and around the Southeast at actually quite reasonable prices for once. Actually, start going to, I'm actually going to start looking through them to see if any clients would want to buy them. So it's intriguing to me that these sorts of deals are... Um, coming up it means that there's a shift in the market so yeah look your interest rates are going to go up okay let's just put that straight out there your property is going to have to cope with 10% interest rates there you go now go and analyze the deals accordingly if you can survive that and you can fix in for the next five years you know great, you know what your outgoings are going to be and you can forecast for it. And hopefully, again, no crystal ball over here, but hopefully interest rates will then start to drop as the economy gets stronger again. And then in five years time, you can remortgage onto a better interest rate and all of a sudden you're making more money. The swings and roundabouts of the economy. So today I wanted to have a little bit more of a chat with you about return on capital employed. This seems to be a figure that a lot of people are looking at right now. A lot of investors are taking this into consideration. Um, return on capital employed is usually, well, when I see investors doing it, it's usually just done over year one. So essentially it's your total purchasing costs minus any money that you get out of the property in year one. So if you're increasing and you're taking stuff out, um, you deduct that from your purchasing costs, then that's divided by your net income over, um, one year. So my calculation is um, your forecast net income times 12 divided by the total amount of purchasing costs less any cash out from an increase in value that you do when you first buy the property. That gives you your return on capital employed or your ROCE. Now, it might be that you don't take any cash out in year one, in which case you just don't deduct it. And then it's your net income per annum um, divided by your total purchasing costs. <coughs> That's how I would explain it. I don't think it's quite accurate, though, because 
you could over the period of purchasing your property take more cash out over time and that doesn't seem to be taken into account of this calculation. I would say at most return on capital employed would probably give you a percentage figure for the first five years because I'm assuming, and this is with commercial property by the way, um, because I'm assuming that in year one you're going to do all the outstanding rent reviews or if there's any lease renewals you're going to put that in place, you're going to manoeuvre the property to its highest possible value and then you're going to remortgage, you're probably going to fix in for a little bit of time or maybe you're going to increase the value again but then that return on capital employed doesn't necessarily take that into account. So it's a figure-ish, <laughs> I'm going to say a figure-ish, because it gives you your return on capital employed based upon the first increase in value and takeout of cash, right? Um, and then after that, what I like to calculate is the months to pay off the cash left in the deal so years to pay off investment. Um, so after, so what I do is I do total purchasing costs, less net cash out on remortgage, than months to pay off. So how many years, how many months, sorry, is it going to take to pay off the cash left in the deal? And then years to pay off investment. For me, that's interesting because if it takes less than five years to pay off an investment as you forecast, I think that's a really, really strong deal. If you can do it less than that, the deal gets stronger. Um, but for a lot of pension funds and large property portfolios, they're going to be targeting 10 years to pay off the investment. So just as an FYI, that's where we're standing. Now, People come to me and say, return on capital employed? Well, I want to get 50% return on capital employed. I want to get 75% return on capital employed. I want to get 100% return on capital employed. Right, fine. Okay. I have to tell you now, if you want those kind of figures, you are going to have to be taking risks. The higher percentage of return on capital employed that you would like, the riskier the deal because these deals don't just come up. They are about you being innovative and thinking, what can I do to increase the value of this property and take out more cash? So I have less cash left in, right? You cannot, cannot be thinking right now, oh, it's going to be super easy. We are in a period of market decline. Okay, so we have to have some realistic thinking here, right? That whenever we go into these deals now and we think, okay, I would like that high return on capital employed. Well, there's some things that are going to make this tricky. Number one, Increasing interest rates may make the exit mortgage in 12 months time more expensive than it's predicted to be right now. So that again is going to have an impact on your return on capital employed if your net income is lower. 
As the market becomes more risky, uh, for example, with the cost of living increasing, um, operating business uh, businesses increase. Um, let me say that again. As the market becomes more risky, because the cost of living is increasing, the cost of operating businesses is increasing, um, interest rates are increasing, businesses are really going to have to tighten their belts. And so you may feel find that the yields that would traditionally be put on properties to capitalise on the rent to give you that investment value may go up to take into account risk and that may decrease the value of your property. We don't know. All we can do is forecast on what we can see today. But again, you have to bear that in mind. Tenants could be impacted by the rising cost of energy bills, uh, the increase in cost of running their business, and this can impact their ability to pay rent or even continue to trade. So tenants that may seem stable today, you don't know what's going to happen. Things could go really bad for them or they may just be losing their grip on whatever's going on with their finances and unfortunately go bust. You can't control that. You can certainly help the situation. But if they move out and your property is valued lower, that's going to impact your return on capital employed. Equally, with tenants more concerned over the cost of expenses, it could mean that there are less demand for space and a tenant for vacant units could take longer to find. So that again could impact your uh, remortgage. It could impact the value at remortgage because a valuer could say, hold on a minute, this property isn't worth as much because there's not a secure rental income. If a property was to become vacant, it could take that much longer to tenant the space, right? So if you've got all of these things to do with properties, you've got rent reviews to enact, you've got lease renewals to do, you've got space to fill, certainly by doing that, that's going to increase the value of your property significantly. So your return on capital employed is going to be higher. But that is going to be far more risky based upon what's going on in the market right now. So again, I have to say to you, if you've got these expectations that you're going to be buying, in fact, anything higher than a 25% return on capital employed, it is going to be risky business. It's not impossible, it's not not doable, but you have to be aware that you've got to come along for the ride on these things. It is going to be hard. It is going to probably give you some sleepless nights. It is probably going to make you feel a bit anxious from time to time about, oh, is this actually going to happen? Is Am I going to be able to pull this off? Right? Your job is to stay calm and level-headed, but it's not always that easy. So when you have got these expectations, right, these massive lofty expectations of what you're expecting out of a property, just know the higher the percentage return on capital employed that you are after, the more risky the property is going to be. So your job as a property investor is to decide whether you can handle this or not. My job as an asset manager is to handle that on behalf of my clients and explain it to them and say, we'll handle it for you. You're going to have to come along, but we're going to be there to help you. But if you don't have someone like me 
who can do that for you and who's been there before and lived it and knows what it's like to be in a bit of a dodge market, you are going to have to hold your nerve. You want the big returns, you want a nice income, it's going to come with a lot of risk and you're going to have to really put in the work. It doesn't just happen whilst we're asleep. With property, you have to move the needle. However, if that's not for you, that's fine. There's still perfectly good deals out there that are 10 to 20% return on capital employed. And as I said when I started talking about this, you know, to get your money back within five years is brilliant. To get your money back within 10 years, a lot of investors are looking for that right? You haven't failed. Just because some online trainer out there has shown you a video where you can't do due diligence into their figures and they're just telling you that this is the return on capital employed that you can get. Don't have all those expectations when you don't actually know what's going on. That's so, so vital here. Do what works for you in the moment. If you like all of that risk, fabulous, go for it. There are still deals out there. I'm definitely doing it for clients. If you don't like it, lower your expectations. You're not a failed investor. If you just want money to secure your income, do the lower return on capital employed, but enjoy the income that's coming in. That's what we invest for, right? Set right expectations. Don't over egg something and then not be able to follow through with it. It's disappointing for you. It's like when you set goals, really lofty goals, and they don't happen in the time you want and you're just crushed. It's the same with property investment. You need to have expectations that are right for you and how you like to invest. So think about it this way. If you want to take less risk and you're happy to put less of the work in, look for a 10 to 20, even 25% return on capital employed, but you're moving up into that riskier area. For 25 to 40%, that's going to be you having to fill a vacant unit um, in a multiple unit building. That's going to be doing some lease renewals. And if you want the higher return on um, capital employed, which is even more risky, that's filling vacant units, probably doing a bit of development as well. So the whole building would probably be vacant, going to have to do a bit of development or you're having to solve some really hard problems. And that's the difference in what we are looking at. And now you can go and make decision accordingly of what you want to achieve. Thank you so much for listening to me today. I hope you've enjoyed this podcast. I cannot wait to catch up with you again soon.